Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pet Talks, also known as the Pure Empathy Podcast. I'm Maritza. And I'm Shamina. Welcome, everybody. If this is your first time joining us, we are super excited that you're here. Shamina and I are two licensed therapists working to break down the stigma about mental health, as well as promoting mental and emotional health and wellness. We're super glad to have you listening, and we would love to have you follow along on our platforms. I'll have Shamina tell you about those. So if you want to learn more about our practice or interested in more content or other social media related things, uh, check us out on Facebook. Our handle is Pure Empathy LLC. Um, head over to our website, which is pureempathyllc.com and follow us on Instagram. Our handle on Instagram is pure.empathy.llc. We post all kinds of practice related updates, any social media updates, podcast updates, all things related to mental health on all of those platforms. So check us out. Absolutely. Thanks, Shamina. So please follow along with us. It'll add some positivity in your feed. Now, let's go ahead and jump into today's topic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are jumping into today's topic about surviving the holiday season. Uh, During our last episode, we kind of touched on should statements, how they tend to pop up during the holidays. So this is a really great segue into Um, just how to survive the holidays, whether it's with family, with friends, with work, lots of people, you know, this is like towards the end of quarter four for people in corporate business, like things are starting to really pick up and it's just a really hectic time of year for people. Yeah, definitely can be. I I know that I relate to the holidays different now that I'm a parent. Um, It's a much busier time for me. Um, There's a lot to do. There's a lot going on, just like with school activities for my kids, the actual outside of school activities, and then our holidays that we celebrate. And so it's a lot to manage, organize, keep up with. And for us as therapists, um, like we talked about and touched on in the last episode, you might either be really busy right now because people are doing like what a lot of your clients are doing. She mean, like prepping for um, having resilience going into these big social settings, either from anxiety or, or, uh, you know, relationship challenges and stuff like that. But also you could be um, having a dip in your caseload, because a lot of people are often taking and scheduling vacation, including us. So I know for myself, I have a lot of time scheduled off, like in the last couple months of each year. Um, and of course that, that changes my finances and everything else at a time where you're probably spending more money (laughs) than you do in other months. Um, so it's always one of those things, like I have to prepare for December, um, in a lot of ways being organized, being structured finances uh, all around. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think it's kind of, it goes like one of two ways. I I see a lot of people, they're very busy, you know, kind of preparing with work or family coming into town or them traveling or with the time change that has happened. So it's darker a lot sooner and longer. Some of this like seasonal depression starts to set in. Um, The holidays really bring up a lot of grief and loss for people. And so I kind of see, you know, the dichotomy of both. And then some of us are just somewhere in the middle between all of all of the hectic craziness yeah exactly very phase of life dependent on on what you might be going through but also your personal circumstances and you just mentioned grief which i know for several of my clients is going to be a big deal 
over the holiday season, um, because for some of them, that's that's the reason they started therapy and started to see me um, was because of like a loss of a loved one. And I also kind of tack on to that divorce, right? Mm-hmm. Any clients or anybody out there who has like gone through a divorce since um, last year, this time, right? You, you might have a lot of stuff come up for you. Um, I, I kind of conceptualize divorce as akin to grief. Like it's similar, but you see the person still most likely, um, or you have the, the possibility of seeing them if they're still like you stayed in the same community or, you know, for some people you have shared children, you do have to see them. And so it's like losing a loved one. And at the same time, kind of facing their ghost all the time. And so I look at both of those very much as grief and holidays are definitely a time where more of that's coming up for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think it's so challenging. It's so funny how, you know, you had mentioned during our last session, like me as a therapist, I I very much like prepare my clients and I'm noticing that so much more now. I'm like, by the way, pay attention to this thing that may come up. Um, but I, and, I think I do my, that for my Myers-Briggs geeks out there who may be obsessed with it. Shamina's got very strong SI, the introverted sensing is strong with her and it is very weak with me. So we cover each other's blind spots. Yes, that we do. And I, I think I, I've been reflecting on that a lot. And, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of that shows up for me in the therapy room because of like my personal experiences and having to prepare for when I see, you know, my family or the grief and loss that comes up for me during the holidays. Um, even just, you know, Thanksgiving had just passed and every year my family has always watched the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade. And so it's like nine o'clock Shamina is on the couch <laughs> watching this parade and, you know, all of a sudden I just get the, like, this huge wave of grief and I just started crying as soon as the parade started. And I was like, what is happening to me right now? And then I had to pause. I'm like, oh, you're grieving. Like this is kind of a a trigger, so to speak, for you for like mm-hmm. your grief and just being able to like feel that. And, you know, I, I think for so many of us, seeing family can also bring up feelings of, you know, even grief and loss or just how, how do I cope with this situation? Because they are reminders of the things that we have experienced as child children, or even those family dynamics, they're still applicable. Now you go back into the role that you played when you were younger. And we kind of touched on that Mm -hmm. a little bit during our last podcast too. Yeah, definitely. And and when you were talking about that, like getting that wave of emotions, when you were watching the parade, it's, it's like, there might be a sense of sadness there, you know, because you cried and, and there was this sense of loss, but there's also so many nuanced emotions that come up with grief. Um, for example, I often can feel sad, but I'll be like, mm, not exactly. And then it'll turn out, it's actually like n- more n- like nostalgia. Right. And so it's two sides of the same coin, you know, the loss side and then also the nostalgic side. So you have both of these coming up and and mixing. So there's a lot of happiness in there as well, because you had all of this um, previous time with this tradition and this routine that started to mean a lot to you that you valued and you really enjoyed and anchored you in connection with, you know, whoever in particular you lost, or you did this with, or just your family in general. And then you're also sad for the loss simultaneously. So you have this mix of positive and negative. A lot of times when you're going through this, especially depending on how 
long ago the loss was because mm-hmm. grief kind of changes and morphs over time for most of us. And we, we still can be experiencing grief, but it it's um, the way that we go through it, the way that it comes up for us is going to look and feel different over time. And the way that we view it again, you might shift from um, being really incredibly just sad, like feeling the loss to, oh, it's more fond memories and nostalgia and anything in between. So you can move from one to the other, have both at the same time. Yeah. And it's important to find ways to honor your grief during the holiday season, or even to, you know, commemorate the memory of the, the lost loved one, excuse me. And that's something I really talk a lot with my clients is like, how do you incorporate them in your tradition? How can you create a new tradition that helps to honor them? And it gives you an outlet to process your grief instead of just sitting in it and not doing anything. And so a lot of times I'll talk with, um, clients about like making a favorite meal of, you know, their, their loved one, or you put, um, you know, some type of like decoration or you're doing something that, um, you know, you used to do with them and how do you honor them in that way. And that really kind of helps them just to feel a little bit more connected and also purposeful. Like these emotions that I'm feeling, I can do something with them. I can create something tangible with them. It doesn't just have to be okay, I sit in my sadness or my other feelings that come up and I have nowhere or nothing to do with them. Yeah. And as you were saying that it, you know, I just thought I'm going to give a should statement for the day. I'm going to use my should diet on the podcast right now, which is therapy should be a place that you can express, um, your, if any spiritual beliefs, um, religious preferences or lack thereof also. So in anything that you feel is connected for you for spiritual self or higher power, whatever it may be for you, or if, if you want that not considered in your process, especially when it comes to grief, because a lot of people do have rituals or things that they can already pull on to commemorate that person and feel connected to them in different ways. And there's obviously also things that are going to be purely secular, if you will, that, that you can do that are therapeutic tools and interventions to manage what comes up with grief. Um, however, just to kind of let people know if that's something that you already have, you know, bring that, if it's comfortable for you into the therapy session, because we are trained to assess for that. Number one, like if you have spiritual or religious beliefs that, are important to you because we can draw on that for coping skills and other things, you know, and it's good to know, it's good to know what kind of, um, core belief framework you might hold given those values, right. The particular set of values that the, the belief system has. And so these things are going to influence probably the way that you want to process your grief and maybe some of the things you do. One of the examples I think of is I have a good friend and hopefully she's okay. Me putting this on blast. I won't name her. So, you know, but some of you listening may already know who I'm talking about, but, um, she has a tree of the dead in her living room. And it's actually old branches that she's collected. It was really cool. It's in a pot um, and she's got the old branches in there and on it hang all the pictures of like family members that have passed on and things like that. And it's right there. It's kind of got like a little corner piece um, corner of the living room that it would sit in. And it was just a way to honor the people that came before and the connections that kind of made her who she was, you know? And I thought that was a really, really cool way to, you know, honor 
family and loss and, and process that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love that idea. And just the, um, symbolism of using, Mm -hmm. you know, like tree branches, tree branches and, and that, I I love that. And, you know, Maritza talks about really important pieces of therapy is like spiritual beliefs, religious beliefs. Those are so important to, if you feel comfortable communicating to your therapist and incorporating that as part of your treatment, because I also think it helps people to feel it's more of a holistic way to practice and not just here, these, you know, these, um, evidence-based skills that we've learned in graduate school, but it's so much more personalized Mm -hmm. to the individual Mm -hmm. client. And I think it also helps them feel more connected in therapy and to their therapist and grounded within themselves because the interventions that we we may be pulling on based off of their belief system are so tailored to them. And it's not just here's this general blanket thing that we give to everybody. Mm -hmm. And so I think it brings a different aspect into the therapy room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it lets you pull from what they're probably already doing. Like I I've had many clients over the years that had some type of spiritual practice that they're already doing, whether it's conscious or unconscious, right? Um, sometimes they're not really necessarily aware that they're doing this thing. And it could be something as simple as like setting intentions. Um, and depending on your particular beliefs that has a lot of names, you know, some people might um, call it prayer or, um, dedication, devotion, you know, I've I've heard it called a lot of things, but essentially what I've figured the largest concept is setting some sort of intention, um, putting something out there intentionally in some way, um, to connect, you know, to something that feels um, more connected for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to transition back for a second to like surviving the holidays and what that actually looks like, because there's a couple of things that I really hone in with my clients when I'm working with them. And one of them is being able to take breaks in whatever kind of capacity that may look like for you, because it can be very overstimulating being with family. It can be really overwhelming Um, sometimes it just takes a lot of energy out of you because depending on what you do or just your daily life, you may not see these people all the time. Mm -hmm. And so how, how do you still stay true to yourself during those moments, whether it's like going to the bathroom for a few minutes, maybe you walk outside. Um, and the other piece is like, how do you maintain some sense of your routine? Because if you're traveling or if you're having people kind of coming into your own space, that disrupts your routine, that disrupts your kind of homeostasis that you have. And so how can you still stay grounded when that's happening? Are there things that you do at home? Like maybe you go for a morning walk. Can you do that still if there are people around or you're in a new place? Um, You know, how do you incorporate those elements? So that way you're still feeling grounded and connected. Yeah. And I'm so glad you mentioned grounding, you know, because it's a big, big thing. And when I'm if I do prep work like with clients for the holidays, so they know maybe they're going to uh, see their family and there's a strained or stressful relationship that they're going to be dealing with, but they're, they're in a position where they feel like, I just want to be resilient. I want to know how to cope because I I know it's going to happen. It's happened before. Um, I have maybe no expectation that it would be resolved soon. So I know I'm going to have this to deal with. And I just want to be prepared for that. And I try to keep to really simple grounding and coping skills, like super, super basic, really no matter where you are in your process. So to me, when you are in distress, um, again, 
if I know it's going to be a sense of larger distress, I want the skill to use to be super basic, that it's one of those that becomes automatic if you practiced it enough. And one that I use a lot around the holidays for people is grounding stones. I have a lot of um, rocks and like little pebbles and stuff in my office and people can take some if they want. And we go through a little, like the, the thing I do with them in the session is I have them hold it in their hand and just kind of feel it look at it, notice it, and typically give me just about three words that they would use to describe it. Um, and that kind of gets them into their senses really, really quickly because they're feeling it, they're looking at it. You know, it could be cold if it's been, you know, chilly or, or warm if it's been sitting in the sun. So it's got a temperature, you know, but it engages those five senses for the person. And that immediately brings you to the present moment. It's very difficult to be kind of lost in your head or lost in a thought or reviewing the past if you are focused on this little pebble and it's a very simple skill, but that helps because a lot of people can easily like put it in their pocket. <laughs> Nobody even knows, and they can reach in and feel the stone that will trigger those three words, those textures, it will engage the senses. And it has this, this nice immediate grounding effect so that they can just kind of get back to the moment so that they can then do what maybe needs to be done, which is like, maybe go get some space, get some air, or maybe talk to a different family member for a while, engage a distraction if you need to, um, you know, those kind of other things that might be, uh, more beneficial long-term, but something simple like grounding stones can be very profound and just help you stay in the moment when that stress starts to kick off and speed everything up for you. Yeah. And I love that because it's something tangible instead of, you know, we talk about like the traditional five senses activity, like what are five things you can see, feel, taste, touch, smell, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But this is something very condensed and tangible that they can carry with them. I mean, you can, you can take a rock on a plane and, yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of holding, yeah. holding on to that. It's not something, you know, massive that you can't take while you're traveling. Mm -hmm. And it's so easily accessible as well. You know, even if mm -hmm. you don't have, <clears throat> excuse me, some type of stone, but is there something that you can hold on to or something that helps you feel grounded or a different type of texture um, that is kind of pocket size and mm -hmm. you can bring with you wherever you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I used to have this little, um, angel pendant thing that was my grandmother's that was in her birthstone. And I would take it anytime I was like traveling or flying somewhere, mm -hmm. you know, and it was just like a little reminder that like, I'm good. Everything's okay. It was, it was a nice, uh, connection to her, you know, she was, um, so since we kind of touched on grief, my grandmother was the first, I always say she was the first person really close to me that I lost. I had lost some like great aunts, uncles, that kind of thing. Um, or really, I think just great uncles, if I remember right, but I was very young. Um, but I, th they were kind of on the periphery of my life, but my maternal grandmother was somebody who was like very present and very involved in my life. And that was my first major loss. And that was in, I think I mentioned this in my origin episode, um, but that was when I was an undergraduate. And so I got a few little things from her um, as far as like when all of her stuff was, you know, given to the kids and everything. <clears throat> And so that was one of them. And so it's something that like, I can just take with me that keeps me connected to her and keeps me in a positive space about that connection rather than, um, you know, still kind of reliving the loss, if you will, or I guess what you would call maybe the more negative or 
tough stuff. How about that? Not really negative. Cause I don't think grief is negative. It comes to us all. Um, the, the harder parts of grief, let me say that it keeps me more in the, the lightness of it, if you will, if it has a lightness, I think it does, but <laughs> yes, I, I think it's I may, more... I may just be rambling now. <laughs> no, you're not. I, I talk, even my therapist, we've talked before about like these pockets of pain. And so sometimes we do things that may feel as though we're, this is part of the grieving process, but it's also, we tap into the pain part of the grief and we hold on to the pain for whatever reason for us. And so I'm, I'm, you know, like it's more of the, the meaning part, like, how do I make meaning out of this? How does this make sense to me? How do I move forward? That's kind of what I am hearing from, from you, the, the lighter side. Now we're talking Victor Frankl, um, <laughs> which, which I will ramble about for long periods of time. Um, but yeah, so, so sort of for those who don't know, like I, I love Victor Frankl's work and existential psychotherapy, um, is, is a lot of where my practice is rooted and mostly client center, but I, but I do tend to show up very existential, mostly I think because I work with trauma and grief. So these are things that I'm working with. And so what, Frankel was really looking at when he was doing his work is like, how do we make meaning in our lives? And that was the primary sort of driver for humans. So whereas Freud thought it was like our, our basic biological instincts, right? So our need for, um, um, like food, water, shelter, right? These are, these are the drivers of behavior. Uh, the thing is, when I look at these things, I don't think anybody was necessarily wrong. I think it was all parts rather than whole, right? So as a system thinker, as a, you know, being trained in family systems, I kind of go, oh, they were all looking at parts. <laughs> and when you look at the whole, they're, they're somewhat all correct, right? These, all of these aspects, like if you don't have food or water, you will do what you have to do to, to survive. That is just a biological mandate. It, it's going to happen. That's the fight or flight right? You, you do what it takes um, because that's what your biology wants. It wants to live. It wants to thrive. So obviously you're going to do that. But for most people um, in, in our world, especially we, those things are not at the forefront of our minds. Like we have adequate water supply and we have adequate food. Um, so these base level needs are, if you will, are taken care of. And so our behaviors are more coming from these, these places of the will to meaning, which is what Frankel was talking about is like, we have this will to meaning, we need to construct meaning. And when we don't have that, we can become very depressed very deflated as humans. And for those who aren't familiar with Viktor Frankl's work, he was in, and I'm probably going to mispronounce it, but Auschwitz, I can't quite say the word, Auschwitz. Um, but he was in that concentration camp and he lost all of his family. He was the sole survivor. And so he witnessed um, a lot of what happened when people were getting into despair firsthand. And he tracked that and he put it in a book. Um, the book is Oh, oh man's search, yeah, for, search meaning. for meaning. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he put in a book, Man's Search for Meaning. And, it, and it's a good um read for anybody. So if you're interested, definitely check it out. But but yeah, I definitely get existential with it because grief is just one of those times that you are somewhat forced to evaluate um the finiteness of life. Yeah. And the holidays, I, I think, bring up a lot of that because, again, like it's centered so much around family and togetherness and, um, you know, grief can also 
I, I like how you brought up divorce earlier, but for people who aren't in a relationship, I think this is a very challenging time. You know, I, I hear from my friends, they're like, this sucks. <laughs> you know, everybody's all coupled up and they're doing all this stuff. And so mm-hmm. I think it's just kind of a reminder that we want that connection, whether it's in a romantic way or grieving the loss of a loved one or, you know, family dynamics is, you know, we are hardwired for connection. We don't survive on our own as a, as a species. It's just not how, how we work and the holiday season and and what it represents, I think really brings up so much for people that this can just be, again, a very like joyous time, or it's very overwhelming. People can sink kind of into like a a seasonal depression during this time, especially with the time change getting so dark earlier, like I mentioned, and it, it can be frustrating not knowing how to cope or just why do I feel this way? I should be really happy again, like going back to those should statements or Mm -hmm. I just want to enjoy my time, but this stuff is coming up for me. I don't know what to do with that. Mm -hmm. And we're very fortunate in Florida. Obviously we get a lot of sunshine. So people who have seasonal affective disorder tend to do well in places like here in California and other places that get a lot of year round sunshine. But regardless, like Shamina said, the time change, it gets darker sooner that can have an impact on your psyche and just how you feel and how your rhythm is set to the day. Um, And keeping in mind too, uh, like I'm on the other side of it, actually like standard time. I know a lot of people want daylight savings time to be the the norm. And to me, I'm like, no, it's it's too much. (laughs) Um, I always feel like I'm being rushed because it's just one hour ahead. It's just a, a sense that I'm a little bit out of time. I'm a little bit out of sync and I always feel that I'm running behind. And as soon as we go back to standard time, it's like this, ah, that time feels right, you know? And, and I think everybody has a sense of that, like an internal clock that, that wants to be a certain way. And I, we recently were talking about chronotypes with this, like times of day that are more beneficial for you. Um, natural sleep and circadian rhythms that, that we can have can vary from people, from person to person. Um, but looking at grief, divorce, and coming into the holidays, being coupled or not, what I always remember is reminding yourself that this is a great time to root in the values so that should statements are going to come up because they probably will, that you are still rooting those again, because should statements are just a judgment statement from your perspective. So they are going to happen if they're rooted in your values, they can sound more like goals right? Like I'm, I'm setting a goal. I'm setting an expectation for myself to honor this value in this way. So if you find you're flooded with shoulds and they are coming from you, not from somebody else, because that's kind of a different story. If somebody else is shooting you (laughs) over the holidays, which you may have like an aunt or something that's doing that. I don't know. Um, (laughs) but they may be shooting you. So that's a little different scenario, but if it's one that's coming up from you, like, Oh, I should be in a relationship by now. I should be, you know, um, spending more uh, time doing this or that, or whatever that is for you. Check back in with your values. If you have the time, you have the space. I know it's a busy time, but check in with your values. Check out our values episode if you want to know how to do that, but check in there because you want to make sure that if you are going to set expectations, you're at least setting the ones that you actually care about rather than just arbitrarily putting them there because that's what you think you should here's their quote you should do or what somebody else wants you to do, because that's a recipe for burnout. 
Absolutely. And that's where, again, like the should statements, values, and also boundaries really come into play during, during the holiday season of like, how do you protect your values? How do you protect what's important to you, whether that's time, whether that's family, whatever it may be, work, maybe, you know, again, this is a very busy time for a lot of people uh, working. How do you cap that? How do you make sure like, okay, I'm not working like over 60 hours a week or, oh my gosh, I need more money so I can pay for these things. Like, so I think tapping into your values is really great just to help you feel again, more grounded and connected during this time, because it's so easy to get swept up in the season and kind of lose ourselves in that. And so how do you anchor into your authentic self? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say, what are your, if you just kind of think of like general tips for managing holiday stress, what are things that you typically say to friends, family, other people who ask? So I would say the, the other two that I had just mentioned of like having, have making your routine wherever you're at or what you're doing, like making Mm -hmm. sure that you're sticking to some form of routine, taking Mm -hmm. breaks. Um, I'm all about the preparedness. So like, Mm-hmm. know what to expect going in. Like, you know, your family, you know, where you're going to be, be aware of their behavior. I think so often we can go into it with this hope of, okay, well, this will be different. Or, you mm-hmm. know, my mom and sister aren't going to get into it when that's all that they do anytime that they're in a room together kind of thing. So managing your expectations and grounding mm-hmm. yourself kind of in the reality of, of your family and the holidays versus what you would want it to be. And I think the most important one is like self-care. You know, how can you take care of yourself during this time? I've been talking a lot with my clients about like restorative self-care instead of more like maintenance self-care. And how Mm -hmm. do you do things that really feel restorative for you? Because I think for so many of us, it's just compound, like stress after stress after stress. And so we just practice this like maintenance. Okay, well, I did this one thing. I I should feel better by now, but you've got like years of stuff that you're yeah. trying to recover from. And so how do we get kind of deeper into um, the self with the, again, like the self-care kind of thing. Um, but those are my, typically like my general tips or write stuff down to talk to your therapist about. <laughs> so that way you're just okay I will I will touch on this I have so many of my clients who after the Thanksgiving holiday they're like I thought of you I wrote this down so I can talk to you about it I was like great great yeah use your notes app get an actual journal whatever jot it down because you cannot remember everything that comes up that you you feel like oh I want to I want to bring that up in therapy right in between sessions it's very difficult to do that unless you're just somebody that has that kind of memory and kudos to you that's amazing but for most of us we we're going to lose some things and a lot of people come in and tell me like oh man, like I totally forgot to tell you about this and I'm meant to tell you last time, right? But now I remembered, so I'm gonna bring it up. And I'm like, good, good, good. Like bring it up when you remember. But I often encourage them, like jot some things down, especially during the holiday time. Um, but I like what you said about like the idealism. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's a bit of a trap we can fall into or get trapped, uh, tripped up by. Cause I don't, I don't know that I like the word trap feels too stuck. So I would rather say tripped up by, right? Like you hit a speed bump a little too fast and it was uncomfortable. And that trap is the idealism because you've been maybe in therapy and you've been doing the work. 
So you see yourself getting different. That's getting probably reflected back to you by your therapist and maybe other people that are in your day to day. And you may have a lot of hope about going back and it being really different because you now have new skills. You know, you now are relating to things differently. You've resolved some old stuff that you were hanging on to. And then you go back and like you said, like, oh, mom and sister still fight exactly the way they fight because they weren't in that session with you. They weren't doing the same thing. And so at some point it becomes managing that for yourself, right? Being like you said, self-protective when it's needed. And one of the beautiful ways to do that is to make sure that you've done a good amount of self-care because that's going to help you be resilient to getting knocked off your own values. Yeah. And you'll have the capacity when we practice self-care, we have more of a capacity to deal with stressors. You know, if, if you're not, I, I give the example a lot um, of like a bank account to people. And so, you know, let's say you're not practicing much self-care at all. So you're, you're kind of in the negative And so when I talk about more of maintenance self-care, it's just kind of, okay, so I'm, I'm negative $300 and I do this self-care and now I'm negative 250. Like I'm still moving down, but it's not, it's just kind of maintaining, you know, where I'm at type of piece, whereas restorative may go from like 300 to hundred. And so you're getting closer to the zero. You have more capacity to be able to handle stressors and, and getting into more of like the, the positive kind of range. Mm-hmm. Um, and we feel more connected when that's happening. If you go into a family dynamic that may be stressful or there's just kind of these unhealthy pieces at play, yeah, yeah, then you know what to expect going in. You know how to be able to like practice a self-care, recognize what's happening, and you can deal with it. You're not so heightened or you're not so triggered that it's really difficult for you to even kind of grasp like what's happening for me in this moment. What am I experiencing? But you're like, okay, great. Like mom and sis are fighting again. Like we are doing this. I'm out of here. Let's go hang out. I'm going to go play with the dog. Like this will be fine. As opposed to, oh my God, this is happening again. I have to solve this problem. I have to mediate between them. I have to do this. I have to do that. But you're able to stay more objective. I think when that's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, if my self-care is, if I'm doing well with it and there's definitely times where it slides, I get busy and and it falls to the wayside, um, just like it, it can for anybody. But when I'm really good on my self-care, I always tend to feel more grounded and present. And when I'm more present, I am much more able to regulate my emotions and to regulate my responses to things. And when I'm really drained, depleted, tired, exhausted, for whatever reason, I'm much more reactionary, right? It's much more like batting something back and forth. And I'm not in a place of what for, I would call as like being very intentional, right? It takes me out of my intentionality. And for me, that helps me stay aligned to my values is because I'm aligned with them. I know what I want. I'm, I'm taking steps to live in accordance with those values. So I feel grounded. I feel connected to myself. If I haven't done enough self-care, um, I don't feel connected to myself. Myself feels really depleted and I'm not going to be as self-protective. I'm not going to be as resilient or probably able to regulate my emotions. I'm going to be a little more, um, um, like I said, reactionary. I can't really think of a, a better 
way to describe that, but just kind of being very reactionary to the situation or what's going on. Yeah, definitely. So what are some of your tips that you typically give to people, Maritza, for surviving the holidays? My, my tips really follow mostly around the grounding stuff, you know, like, because it's just a tangible, like you said, it's a nice tangible to use around the holidays. I really like the, the ones like the grounding stones because they're simple. Um, they're easy to use and it goes kind of get you back to basics. And for me, when I'm doing things that get me back to basics, it also a bit validates like this is, um, this is very impactful for me. Right. So I I need to just kind of go to the basics. And and if I can do that, if I can check off that box of staying grounded, yippee, now let's go to the next step of maybe setting um, an improved boundary there, communicating a need or whatever it is that, that maybe I need to advocate for myself to get change to actually occur for me. Um, But outside of that, I'm a big proponent of not getting swept away when we can in the current of everything. So again, I prefer this time zone for me. It helps me slow down. Um, and I don't feel as rushed when I'm, when we're on standard time versus daylight savings time and around the holidays, it's always been very interesting to me how busy we get at a time that to me for most settings across most, um, you know, winter holiday practices, if you will, it's about slowing down because it's becoming darker, longer. It's about going inward, you know, kind of cozying up by the fire with the family and that kind of thing, you know, kind of getting in your hearth and home mode, if you will. And it's a time where our modern world demands, we're actually doing a lot more. We're still working. We're out buying presents. We're trying to organize events, uh, bake the cookies, you know, do all the things. And it's very interesting for me. So I really encourage people to look at, what parts of that do you want to engage in? What parts of it do you not? And how do you um, really put up those boundaries to say no to some of the things that you simply cannot fit in? And, and this goes back, I think, to what we talked about in the last one, where for you, you can be really good at tracking time and doing the preparation part. And this is something that I can often miss um, is looking at, oh, there's just too much to do there. Like, it's not possible, right? Like, I'll just be like, that looks fun. I want to do it. And I'll put it on the calendar. And then I realize, like I've way overbooked. Um, I've way overcommitted. And now it's, it's panic time, you know, because I don't, because I realize I actually cannot get all these things done. And I, although I try to improve with it, it's still a bit of an Achilles heel for me. Right. So it's, it's just like, a lifelong practice. Sometimes I'm better at it. Sometimes I don't catch it and it, it runs away with me. So I really encourage people to look at that. Like how much can you be overcommitted? Um, do you tend to overcommit during these times because of maybe should statements, felt obligation and stuff like that. So we really tend to talk about that. Like how do you protect your boundaries during this time, especially the time boundaries for just making sure you have enough energy to bake the cookies, if that's what you like to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I think you bring up a really good point of, you know, this time of year helps you to be able to slow down, but how can you kind of expand that to like the holiday season or things that you may engage in or just different activities? How can you slow that down instead of like, oh, I got to check this off, check this off, check this off. This is done. But being more present and just connected to the moment connected to yourself, connected to your values and how can you feel fulfilled 
like during this time of year, whether it's on your own with family, with friends in a relationship, whatever that may look like to you, how do you slow that down? How do you stay connected? How do you honor your values? Mm-hmm. And if you're somebody who is going through grief or divorce, um, giving yourself space, uh, uh, knowing that you're going to need extra space to deal with what comes up. And if you're somebody who's still got a family, you know, you're quite busy, you've got a lot going on. It may be hard to find room for that, you know? So let me just first validate when it doesn't feel like anything on your calendar can be moved. (laughs) You might be a mom. Um, Maybe I'm being biased right now, but, um, but a lot of times I kind of look at it and I go like, I don't feel like anything is not necessary. Like I'm doing only the needed task. And I still feel like I don't have quite enough time that I would like to do everything. Um, but needless to say, if, if you have a really full life already, and then you experience something traumatic, grief, divorce, or or any type of other traumatic situation, knowing you're going to need more space to deal with that, to process that. So give yourself some grace during this time of year, if you're able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And there, you're not alone. I think remembering that you're not alone if you're experiencing grief, you're not alone if this time of year isn't like this happy, joyous occasion. If it totally sucks and you hate it, you're the Grinch, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you're you're not alone in that. There are a lot of other people who are experience those, experiencing those things that may look different for them, but that doesn't mean that what you're feeling is wrong or bad or you need to do something better. Mm-hmm. And, and for those of you who this time of year really puts you in a really, really dark space, um, for, if you're local here with us, you can call 211. So local, I mean, Tampa Bay area of Florida. Okay. Um, from any phone, 211 is a local resource line, but it's also a crisis line. If not, of course, look up either your local, or you could go to like the national suicide hotline. If you need to talk to a crisis counselor immediately. Um, but, it, but I say this because, I want to remind everybody that what you're feeling is temporary. Okay. No feeling is meant to be permanent. They don't last forever. Even happiness, it comes and goes. There's a reason for that. Um, it's psychological. We cannot see light without dark, et cetera, et cetera. We can't be happy without sadness. Um, we need the contrast and the dynamic, beautiful colors of life, if you will, so that we can experience all of this. So keep in mind when it feels really big, when it feels overwhelming, when you are curled up sobbing and you think there's no way out, reach out, find somebody, talk to somebody, do what you got to do. It is temporary. Ride the wave. Okay. Ride the wave. And like I said, absolutely get support. If you're somebody who doesn't already have some of those uh, resources and support that you need to get through it, because nobody is meant to go through this alone. And that's what Shamina was touching on earlier is, is our base attachment needs. (laughs) So from the time we are born, we are aware that if there's not another person there to take care of us, the lion will eat us. Okay. And that's the fight or flight that goes off as like mayday, 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 like your life is threatened. And so that's, that's where the tribes come from, where we have connections and tribes to attach to each other socially so that we have that strength in numbers, so that we have that support because nobody is meant to go through all of the ebbs and flows of emotions, grief, and trauma, and all these other things alone. 
we do need connection and we need supports. So reach out for those, whoever it is for you. If it's the hotline is what you got. Great. If you have a good friend, confidant, family, loved one that you can talk through um, some of those darker moments with your therapist, whatever, but make sure that you're staying connected during this time to someone. Um, And like Shamina was saying, and to yourself, right? So check in with yourself because um, that's how you'll know what you need. Absolutely. And you, we all have support. And so rely on your support system during this time, do things that help to ground you, feed your soul and show up in whatever way that you feel you can. Mm -hmm. And I think my, um, my practical hack for it is if you're feeling really depressed or incredibly anxious and you're in that space and you can create something, whatever it is, um, doodle, I don't care, write a poem, um, start writing that novel you always talked about, go cook something in the kitchen. It, it really doesn't matter, but do a creative activity. Um, we need creative expression to get stuff out and let it flow through. And it's one of the things I sometimes do in therapy to help people get more in touch with those emotions, especially if they feel really blocked. Sometimes putting pen to paper or paintbrush to a canvas can start to get that flowing. And it feels like a easier, healthier process for a lot of people because they're able to kind of get it out in a physical way as well as emotionally processing. And so creative endeavors, whatever they are, and that can be vast, right? Um, But creative endeavors can really help you get that feeling flowing if it feels like it's really stuck for you. Love that. I do that all the time. I'm like, let's color today. (laughs) Today's going to be a good day. We're going to (laughs) color. Everybody gets very excited. So So I color with my kids a lot and, and I would like to say it's for them. And we both know it's not. (laughs) We know it's for mommy. I'm like, let's color some stuff because mommy actually likes to color. It just, it's, it's soothing activity. It's very fun. And I really recommend if anybody gets their hands on some coloring mandalas, those are really cool. And if you tend to deal with a lot of anxiety or run high anxiety, they are very, a a very good mindful practice um, because they are quite intricate. And I, I know that a lot of people do them digitally and that's fine, like on, on their phone, but I super recommend like pen to paper, you know what I'm saying? Getting some color pencils or crayons or something and doing it on paper. I do uh, think that it has like a different kind of impact versus being on the screen and being digital. Um, I think both can be good and have positive impact, but there is a different, um, I, I forget what it is, but there's a different part of the brain that gets activated when you like write down a task in a calendar versus if you type it into the computer. Um, so to kind of activate that part of the brain, if it's, you're doing an app and that doesn't quite do it, or it feels more or less the same as like mindless scrolling, right? If it's got that feel back out of that, go get you a book and color in that thing. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So we hope that this episode was helpful for anybody listening, just for any tips and tricks or some validation about the holiday season. Um, Take the time that you need, take what you got to do, do what you got to do. And we hope that you all have a happy and safe holiday season and stay tuned for more episodes.
Absolutely. And I believe we have one more for the year after this, right? So once this one gets released, we'll have one more for the year and keep a, a pin in that because we're going to be announcing a few little changes that we're going to do and what we have coming up for the new year. So there's going to be some exciting changes happening with the podcast and, and other things that we want you to stay up to date on. So again, we super appreciate all of our listeners. We hope this is helpful for you and you've enjoyed all of our episodes so far this year. Um, and we look forward to recording more. Yes, we do. Stay tuned. All right. <laughs>